Section 40, Volume 2 of The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Sir Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Henrik Marcinkevich. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 40. When it was the one hundred and third night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when King Zau al-Makan saw that the accursed infidel had struck with javelin his brother Sharkan, he deemed him dead, and dispatched cavaliers towards him. And the first to reach him were the wazir Dandan and the emir of the Turks, Bahram, and the emir of the Dalamites, Rustam. They found him falling from his horse, so they stayed with him in his saddle and returned with him to his brother, Zau al-Makan. Then they gave him in charge to his pages and went again to do the work of cut and thrust. So the strife redoubled and the weapons together clashed and ceased, not bait and debate, and naught was to be seen but blood flowing and necks bowing. Nor did the swords cease on the napes of men to make play nor the strife to rage with more and more affray, till the most part of the night was passed away, and the two hosts were aweary of the melee. So they called a truce, and each army returned to its tents, whilst all the infidels repaired to King Afridun and kissed the ground before him, and the priests and monks wished him joy of his victory over Sharkan. Then the king fared for Constantinople, and sat upon the throne of his realm, when King Hardub came to him and said, May the Messiah strengthen thy forearm, and never cease to be thy helper, and hearken to what prayers my pious mother, Zat al-Dawahi, shall pray for thee. Know that the Muslims can make no stay without Sharkan. Replied Afridun, Tomorrow shall end the affair when to fight I fare. I will seek Zawal Makan and slay him, and their army shall turn tail, and the flight shall avail. Such was the case with the Kafirs, but as regards the host of Al Islam, when Zawal Makan returned to his tent, he thought of naught but his brother, and, going into the pavilion, found him in evil case and sore condition. Whereupon he summoned for counsel the wazir Dandan and Rustam and Bahram. When they entered, they opined to assemble the physicians that they might medicine Sharkan, and they wept and said, The world will not readily afford his like. And they watched by him all that night, and about the later hours came to them the recluse in tears. When Zau al-Makan saw him, he rose in honor, and the religious stroked Sharkan's wound with his hand, chanting somewhat of the Quran and repeating by way of talisman some of the verses of the Compassionate One. And the pretender ceased not to watch over him till dawn, when he came to himself and opening his eyes, moved his tongue in his mouth and spake. At this, Zaw al-Makan rejoiced, saying, of a truth the blessing of the holy man hath taken effect on him. And Sharkan said, 
Praised be Allah for recovery. Indeed, I am well at this hour. That accursed one played me false, and, but that I swerved aside lighter than lightning, the throw-spear had pierced through my breast. So praised be Allah for saving me, and how is it with the Muslims? Answered Zaw al-Makan, All are weeping for thee. Quoth Sharkan, I am well and in good case, but where is the holy man? Now he was sitting by him and said, At thy head. So the prince turned to him and kissed his hand when he said, O my son, be of good patience, and Allah shall increase thy reward, for the wage is measured by the work. Sharkan rejoined, Pray for me, and he prayed for him. As soon as morning dawned and day break in shine and sheen, the Muslims sallied out to the plain, and the Kafirs made ready to thrust and cut. Then the Islamite host advanced and offered fight with weapons ready dight, and King Zaw al-Makan and Afridun made to charge one at other. But when Zaw al-Makan fared forth into the field, there came with him the Wazir Dandan and the Chamberlain and Bahram, saying, We will be thy sacrifice. He replied, By the holy house and Zemzem and the place, I will not be stayed from going forth against these wild asses. And when he rode out into the field, he played with sword and spear till riders marveled, and both armies wondered. Then he rushed upon the foe's right wing, and of it slew two knights, and in like manner he dealt with the left wing. Presently he stayed his steed in the midst of the field and cried out, Where is Afridun, that I may make him taste the cup of disgrace? But when King Hardub saw the case, he conjured Afridun not to attack him, saying, O king, yesterday it was thy turn to fight, it is mine today. I care not for his prowess. So he rushed out towards Zawal Makan, brand in hand, and under him a stallion like Abjar, which was Antar's charger, and its coat was jet black, even as saith the poet. On the glancing racer, outracing glance, he speeds as though he would collar doom. His steed's black coat is of darkest jet, and likest night in her nightly's gloom, whose neigh sounds glad to the hearer's ears, like thunders rolling in thunderous boom. If he race the wind, he will lead the way, and the lightning flash will behind him loom. Then each rushed upon the opponent, parrying blows and proving the marvelous qualities were stored in him, and they fell to drawing on and withdrawing, till the breasts of the bystanders were straightened, and they were weary of waiting for the event. At last Zaw al-Makan cried out his war cry and rushed upon Hardub, king of Caesarea, and struck him a stroke that shore head from trunk and slew him on the spot. When the infidels saw this, they charged in a body, compact and united, upon Zaw al-Makan who met them amidfield, and they engaged in hewing and foining till blood ran in rills. Then the Muslims cried out, Allah Akbar, God is most great, and 
There is no God but the God, and invoked salvation for the prophet, the bringer of glad tidings, the bearer of bad tidings. And there befell a great fight, but Allah assigned victory to the faithful and defeat to the faithless. The wazir Dandan shouted, Take your blood revenge for King Omar bin al-Numan and his son Sharkan, and bared his head and cried out to the Turks. Now there were by his side more than twenty thousand horse, and all charged with him as men, when the faithless found naught to save their lives but flight. So they turned tail to fly, while the biting saber wrought its havoc, and the Muslims slew of them that day some fifty thousand horse, and took more than that number. Much folk also were slain while going in at the gates, for the flock was great. Then the Greeks hove to the doors and swarmed up the walls to await the assault. And in fine, the Muslim hosts returned to their tents, aided to glory and victory. And King Zawal Makan went into his brother, whom he found in most joyous case. So he made a prostration of thanks to the bountiful and the exalted. And then he came forward and gave Sharkan joy of his recovery. Answered he, Verily, we are all under the benediction of this religious, holy and righteous. Nor would you have been victorious but for his accepted horizons. Indeed, all day he remained at prayer to invoke victory on the Muslims. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased saying her permitted say. When it was the one hundred and fourth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Zaw al-Makan went into his brother Sharkan, he found him sitting with the holy man by his side. So he rejoiced and drew near him and gave him joy of his recovery. Answered he, Verily we are all under the benediction of this recluse, nor would you have been victorious but for his prayers. Indeed he felt no fear this day, and he ceased not supplication for the Muslims. I found strength return to me when I heard your Allahu Akbar, for then I knew you to be victorious over your enemies. But now recount to me, O my brother, what befell thee. So he told him all that had passed between him and the accursed Hardub, and related how he had slain him and sent him to the malediction of Allah. And Sharkan praised him and thanked him for his prowess. When Zat al-Dawahi heard tell of her son's death, and she still dressed as a devotee, her face waxed yellow and her eyes ran over with railing tears. She kept her counsel, however, and feigned to the Muslims that she was glad and wept for excess of joy. But she said to herself, By the truth of the Messiah there remaineth no profit of my life if I burn not his heart for his brother, Sharkan, even as he hath burned my heart for King Hardub, the mainstay of Christendom and the hosts of Crossdom. Still, she kept her secret, and the wazir Dandan and King Zawal Makan and the chamberlain remained sitting with Sharkan till they had dressed and salved his wound.
after which they gave him medicines and he began to recover strength. Whereat they joyed with exceeding joy and told the troops who congratulated themselves, saying, Tomorrow he will ride with us and do manly devoir in the siege. Then said Sharkan to them, Ye have fought through all this day, and are aweary of fight. So it behoveth that you return to your places, and sleep, and not sit up. They accepted his counsel, and then each went away to his own pavilion, and none remained with Sharkan but a few servants, and the old woman Zat al-Dawahi. He talked with her through part of the night. Then he stretched himself to rest and his servants did likewise, and presently sleep overcame them all, and they lay like the dead. Such was the case with Sharkan and his men, but as regards the old woman, she alone abode awake while they slumbered in the tent, and, looking at Sharkan, she presently saw that he was drowned in sleep. Thereupon she sprang to her feet, as she were a scald she-bear or a speckled snake, and drew from her waist cloth a dagger so poisoned that if laid thereon it would have melted a rock. Then she unsheathed the poniard and went up to Sharkan's head, and she drew the knife across his throat and severed his weasand and hewed off his head from his body. And once more she sprang to her feet and going the round of the sleeping servants, she cut off their heads also, lest they should awake. Then she left the tent and made for the sultan's pavilion, but finding the guards on the alert, turned to that of the wazir Dandan. Now she found him reading the Koran, and when his sight fell upon her, he said, Welcome to the holy man. Hearing this from the wazir, her heart trembled, and she said, The reason of my coming hither at this time is that I heard the voice of a saint amongst Allah's saints and them going to him. Then she turned her back, but the wazir said to himself, By Allah, I will follow our devotee this night. So he rose and walked after her, but when the accursed old woman sensed his footsteps, she knew that he was following her whereupon she feared the disgrace of discovery and said in herself unless i serve some trick upon him he will disgrace me so she turned and said to him from afar ho thou wazir i am going in search of this saint that i may learn who he is and after learning this much i will ask his leave for thee to visit him then i will come back and tell thee for i fear thine accompanying me without having his permission, lest he take umbrage at me seeing thee in my society. Now when the wazir heard these words, he was ashamed to answer her. So he left her and returned to his tent, and would have slept, but sleep was not favorable to him, and the world seemed heaped upon him. Presently he rose and went forth from the tent, saying in himself, I will go to Sharkan and chat with him till morning. But when he entered into Sharkan's pavilion, he found the blood running like an aqueduct, 
and saw the servants lying with their throats cut like beasts for food. At this he cried a cry which aroused all who were asleep. The folk hastened to him, and, seeing the blood streaming, set up a clamor of weeping and wailing. Then the noise awoke the sultan, who inquired what was the matter, and it was said to him, Sharkan, thy brother and his servants are murdered. So he rose in haste and entered the tent and found the wazir Dandan shrieking aloud, and he saw his brother's body without a head. Thereat he swooned away, and all the troops crowded around him, weeping and crying out, and so remained for a while, till he came to himself, when he looked at Sharkan and wept with sore weeping, while the wazir and Rustam and Bahram did the like. But the chamberlain cried and lamented more than the rest, and asked leave to absent himself. Such was his alarm. Then said Zaw al-Makan, Know ye who did this, and how is it I see not the devotee, him who the things of this world hath put away? Quoth the wazir, And who should have been the cause of this affliction, save that devotee, that Satan, by Allah, my heart abhorred him from the first, because I know that all who pretend to be absorbed in practices religious are vile and treacherous. And he repeated to the king the tale of how he would have followed the religious, but he forbade him, whereupon the folk broke out into a tumult of weeping and lamentation and humbled themselves before him who is ever near, him who ever answereth prayer supplicating that he would cause the false devotee who denied Allah's testimony to fall into their hands. Then they laid Sharkan out and buried him in the mountain aforesaid and mourned over his far-famed virtues. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day and ceased to say her permitted say. End of section 40 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2. Recording by Henrik M., Houston, Texas, USA.